James chapter 2 and verse 1. A couple of years ago, I was visiting uh, an assisted living place in Knoxville, and I walked into the office there, and the woman uh, greeted me, but she looked like she thought she was better than me. Have you ever had that experience? And uh, I just kind of laughed at it at the time, you know, after after uh, I left and thought it was funny. But uh, probably all of us at some point or another have had somebody look down their noses at us and treat us as less than we are as God's children. Um, we are called as God's people to be set apart uh, and different than the world in the way that we treat people, to treat people with love. And uh, so James is dealing with a problem in their church, the problem of partiality. All of us have different backgrounds and, and sometimes different uh, levels of, of finances and, and, and differences, maybe even in uh, nationality in some cases or race. Um, and these things are, are things that do not matter or should not matter uh, among the people of God, the kingdom of God. And so um, we need to, to love people regardless because that's the way Jesus was. He loved all people. And uh, uh, I believe uh, showing love for all people is one of the things that sets us apart from the world because the Bible says they shall know we are Christians by our love. And so uh, the title of my message is the battle for impartiality. Yes, there is a battle. I think there is a battle uh, because in our old nature, there is a tendency to be partial. So look with me at James chapter 2 and verse 1. My brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. If you look with favor on the man wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, sit over there, or, uh, or stand over there, or sit, sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you dishonored that poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Don't they blaspheme the noble name that was pronounced over you at your baptism? Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law, yet fails in one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you are a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The battle for impartiality. How do we wage war against this impartial, uh, against partiality uh, in our hearts? Well, the first thing we can do, is through the, and these are all things that we can do through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us as he quickens us. We can ask him to do this in us. First of all, be caring. 
be caring. Um, verse 2, he says, If a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes. Literally, the, the word in the Greek means filthy. Um, you kind of get the picture of somebody who's homeless. Um, we should treat both this way. But oftentimes, people say, oh, this person has money. Ooh. Or they may not say that, they may think that. And so they want to give them the better treatment. And sometimes a poor person will be shunned. Um, that is a shame, and it, and it is something that should not happen in the body of Christ. Sometimes the, the issue may not be uh, how much money you have. It may be what race you are. And again, that is a shame. Listen, God must have liked variety because he made so many different kinds of people. Um, every child of God is important in the eyes of God. Um, the Bible says that Christ died for all. All means people of every race. Every human being is important to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I, I thought it was funny. We, we used to have these um, community services down in Texas where I used to live. And um, we would go uh, from time to time uh, to uh, the Black Baptist Church. And um, I enjoyed the services. It was great. Uh, matter of fact, I preached there one time, and they about amen me to death. I, 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 was, I was wore out by the time I got through preaching because they were giving me feedback. It was great. Uh, but one thing I noticed when I walked in there is I noticed a mural on the wall. And in the mural was a picture of Jesus, and he was black. And I remember thinking to myself, Jesus isn't black. And then I thought... Well, every picture I've seen of Jesus has been white. Jesus is not white either. Jesus was Middle Eastern. He was probably brown-skinned. Uh, and I just kind of, I started thinking about it, and I got amused. And isn't it funny how we tend to think about things through our own lens, isn't it? Um, but the fact is, God sees every person regardless of their race, as infinitely valuable. So much so that Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross to pay the price for each one of us. Um, Jesus witnessed to the Samaritan woman. You remember that? Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along. The Jews considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. Uh, they were the Jews that were left behind uh, in the northern kingdom when the Assyrians took the northern kingdom captive, and they brought people of other nationalities and intermingled them with the people who were left over there, and they intermarried and so forth. And so they were called the Samaritans in the time of Christ, and Jews and Samaritans hated each other. That's why Jesus had the story of the Good Samaritan, because it was shocking. You know, we have... Uh, we talk about the Samaritan, we need to be a good Samaritan. But nobody in the Jewish community of that day would have said that because to be a Samaritan was to be hated. Um, and so Jesus talks about 
the man that is, is beaten up by robbers and he's left there uh, suffering on the side of the road and the priest passes him and the Levite passes him and finally there's no, it seems like there's no hope. Finally this Samaritan comes along of all things. And this Samaritan cares for him, cleans his wounds and takes him to uh, the hotel uh, to, to put him up and uh, pays his bill and says, take care of whatever he needs until I return and I'll pay the bill. Jesus says, you need to be loving like that Samaritan was loving. And, and it, it, it shocked people when he showed, told that story. But it was a demonstration of the kind of love that we need to have for each other. Um, <clears throat> be caring. Uh, we need to care for people of all backgrounds. Guess what? God loves Christians from the country. He loves Christians from the city. He loves Christians, yes, it's hard to believe, even from New York. <laughs> he, loves, he loves Christians from South Florida. I want to tell you something. God loves Christians on the other side of the world. Every person is important to God. We need to ask God to give us a caring heart and to, and to demonstrate that in choices that we make. Uh, sometimes love, and when we talk about love in the Christian sense, it's a choice of the will, and it is empowered by the Spirit inside us, but it is a choice that we make. Uh, we can choose who we welcome, can't we? We can choose who we honor. We can choose who we listen to. And, and as we show a care for people, uh, we will be acting like Jesus. You remember who Jesus cared for? He cared for people that other people ignored. The outcast, the sick, the diseased. And, the, and he cared for women. In that day, women were not valued in the society Jesus lifted up women the first people to see Jesus after the resurrection were the women and Jesus valued them and they were a part of his ministry um, Jesus also even dealt with sinners who were rejected by society remember Zacchaeus Jesus showed care for Zacchaeus Zacchaeus you come down, I'm going to your house today. There used to be a little song I learned when I was little. Boy, I'm going to your house today. Uh, but Jesus cared for Zacchaeus. And because he cared for somebody that the Jews considered a traitor, Zacchaeus came to faith in Christ. And he gave back the money that he'd stole from people. And, and it was just a great situation. Jesus showed care for all different kinds of people. We need to do the same, and that is a choice of our will. So the battle for impartiality, how do we deal with this partiality or favoritism in our hearts? Well, first of all, be caring. And then, secondly, be understanding. This is kind of an interesting thing. Look at verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom he has promised to those who love him. Yet you dishonor that poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Now, don't think that God is showing favoritism to the poor here. He's not. 
Scripture teaches, as a matter of fact, and one of the scriptures that he quotes here from Leviticus actually tells people, you don't give favor to the poor, you don't give favor to the rich, you judge justly, you treat them fairly. Uh, And so it's not that God prefers one group over the other, but it is true that generally speaking, rich people are less open to the gospel than poor people. Paul says in in, uh, Corinthians, not many mighty, not many noble, not many of, uh, of noble birth, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world and the despised things of this world and the things that are not uh, to bring to naught the things that are. And so um, God often chooses the very people that people tend to snub. And he says, look, this is my child. Not only does God receive them as a child of God, but... He gives them a special blessing and a special role. What does he mean? Uh, be understanding. He says, God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. We need to understand that sometimes people who are poor understand more about walking with God because they have to. And you're wondering, where's that next meal going to come from? Or where's... What, what am I going to be doing next week? Am I going to be uh, in my house or am I, am I going to be out on the street? You know, and, I, and you're calling out to God and you're crying out to God. There's a, a sense in which a poor person who is a child of God is oftentimes thrust in the position of learning to trust God and they understand faith in God better than those who don't have those qualities. Um, and so God gives them a special role. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Could it be that a great blessing to a church might be to have a poor person who's great in faith who will trust God for what God will do? And, um, and so we need to be understanding and recognize all of us have different roles. And, and God may use one person in one way. He may use another person in another way. Being rich is not necessarily wrong. The Bible says Abraham was rich. David was rich. There's a lot of Job in the Old Testament was rich. Uh, so there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong about having things, but there is something inherently wrong about playing favorites. Um, I remember uh, when I was uh, in high school, uh, I had moved to this new school, and there was, there was a group of, of kids that I had known from before when I lived in that place before, and... Um, at a certain table they sat at and so forth and and I remember one day uh, at lunchtime uh, we were sitting there and the, another friend that I had had come over to sit at the table with us and, and one of them said you can't sit here and he, and he said what and you can't sit here I wish I'd have had the courage to stand up right then and just say well he can't sit here I, I'm not sitting here I didn't do that but the next day, I, I began to think about that. I thought, you know what? I'm not sitting with those bunch of snobbish people. I'm going to sit with him. And so, so I went over, and I sat with him. And you know what I found? They were a whole lot better friends. They loved me for who I was. And the others, you know, hey, you, if things don't go right, Good time Charlie kind of thing, you know, and, and they're, they're off doing something else. And it's amazing 
Uh, sometimes we get things we don't realize. We need to be understanding. Sometimes the poor of this world can be the kind people and the people who will love you for the way you are. Not always the case. You know, there's some wonderful rich people who, who are great in their love for God and great in their love for people. But uh, we need to understand that value isn't always measured by how a person looks on the surface. Understand that God gifts us in different ways and uses us in different ways. And so that understanding will help you identify with the fact that, yes, every single person in the body of Christ is important. So the battle for impartiality, first of all, be caring. Secondly, be understanding. Thirdly, be loving. Look at verse 8. Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So what's he saying here? If you play favorites, you're sinning. That's it in a nutshell. Um, some say, well, favoritism, you know, that's not all that serious of, of sin. And uh, God, that's not really all that important. Well, back up a second. You will love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus say the two most important commandments were? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, it's sin. Uh, and so he goes on, he says, look, God said, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Well, if you don't commit adultery, but you murder somebody, you're still a lawbreaker. You've broken the law. If you've broken it at one point, you're guilty of all of it because you're a lawbreaker. The Bible does say all have sinned, right? So uh, he's saying, don't, don't write off this, this sin of favoritism as something that's minor. It's important. It, it, if you don't know Christ, the sin of favoritism is enough to send you to hell. If you break one point of law, you're a lawbreaker. Um, if you know Christ, the sin of favoritism can hinder your relationship with God. It can bring God's chastening in your life. So recognize that it is important to God and be loving. You say, well, how do you do that? You can't do that in your own strength. There are some people that, let's face it, we just don't like. There's some people we don't have anything in common with. And it's a supernatural thing to show love to a person that you don't identify with and that you don't have anything in common with. But it's something we're called to do. How do you do that? You ask God, Lord, love this person through me. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That's the chief characteristic of being filled with the Spirit of God is you love other people. They shall know you're Christians by your love. So be loving. The battle for impartiality. First of all, be caring. Secondly, be understanding. Thirdly, be loving. Fourthly, be holy. Be holy. Well, everybody plays favorites. Boy, today you could probably just about say, well, everybody commits sexual immorality. 
you look at what's going out in the world today, well, just because the world's doing it doesn't mean we should do it as God's people. We're called to be holy. We're called to be set apart. The church ought to be a unique place. We hear about, okay, this group in secular life, I'll use, since, since we're at election time, Democrats and Republicans, okay? Chill out, I'm not going to take a side, okay? Um, but you got the Democrats, you got the Republicans, and so, you know, usually they talk about each other, right? And one will say, well, this one, this side, but they, they don't do this and we do. They don't do this. But you know what? What I find is there's pretty much in every human organization there's sin in every one sometimes it's one one group may be worse than the other group that's why we vote amen but uh, but the church ought to be set apart and one of the saddest things is is when a church of god is not holy they're not set apart from the world and you can't tell any difference between the people in the church and the people in the world and the world comes into the church they say look what what good is this for me they're just like the people out in the world. What sets us apart? Well, if we're holy, if we're walking filled with the Spirit of God, we will be set apart in the way that we treat people. And it shouldn't just be in the church building, but out in the community as well. How do we treat people who, who are lost? That's probably what the story James is talking about is, is dealing with two visitors coming into church. One is a homeless person, and one is... A wealthy person. How do we treat those visitors? Guess what? Christ died for both of them. And so if we're set apart, we're going to show love to both. And that's, that's what will reveal the character of Christ and will show that we're living like Christ would have us live. So be caring, be understanding, be loving, be holy. Let me say something. Being set apart... In, in the way that we treat people ought to show up at work. People ought to be able to see the difference between the way we treat people at work and the way others treat people at work. It ought to show up at school. People ought to see a difference between the way we treat people and the way other people treat people uh, at the school. Uh, I was proud of my wife and on one of her trips recently one of the ladies said, you're different, Sherry. What's different about you? See, what they, what they were seeing, Jesus in her. People ought to see Jesus in us. And we can't do that in our own strength. And all of us fail. But with the power of God, we can be holy. So um, ask the Holy Spirit to help you be set apart in the way that you treat people. And finally, be merciful. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. In one sense, you and people who are genuine believers in Christ, our judgment's already been carried out on Christ. So we don't have to worry about going to hell. If you know Christ, you, you have the gift of eternal life, and it is just that. It's a gift. It's not earned. Uh, but in another sense, God does evaluate our life. We're going to receive rewards someday for the good things that we do. We've talked about that. Um, but those things that, that are not pleasing to God will be burned up, the Scripture says. 
Uh, so there will be a, a day when we'll suffer loss for those things and the ways we treated people and so forth. When we could have received that reward for being kind to someone. Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, you've done it unto me, right? If you visit them in prison, if you, um, you know, clothe them when, when they're in need of clothing and feed them when they're, when they're hungry or whatever it is, Jesus says, if you've done it to me, or if you've done it to them, you've done it to me, and we'll receive reward. But when we don't do that, we lose the reward that we could have had, and God is watching our lives. Now, but not only that, God is evaluating us in our lives now. Now, it's not in a way, he's not waiting to pounce with a lightning bolt. You know, some, some people think that God's just waiting to get them. It's not that. But God does watch our lives, and he does evaluate our lives. And if we are not showing love to other people, God will discipline us. And he says, look... You need to show mercy because God is, is watching in your life. You need to recognize that the way you treat other people matters. Uh, he says, judgment without mercy will be shown to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus showed mercy, didn't he, to many people. Every sinner that came to Jesus wanting forgiveness, Jesus responded with mercy every single time. Every single time. His rebukes that were harsh came to the people who were self-righteous. <laughs> Thought they didn't need God and they didn't need uh, to, to grow. Uh, Jesus would sometimes say something to shock them to their senses. But, but Jesus was a merciful person. Mercy means not giving what we deserve. If I'm merciful to you, it means I'm not giving you what you deserve. God's merciful to us, right? Through Christ. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Praise God. Some people say, well, God needs to give me what I deserve. Listen, I don't want what I deserve because what I deserve is hell, <laughs> according to the Scripture. Uh, praise God for his mercy. But mercy is also, it's not, mercy is, is treating somebody with love when they don't deserve to be treated with love. But it is also helping somebody who's in need. So being merciful is so important. And, and again, what do we tend to do sometimes? We help those that we like. We help those who are our friends. And we should do that. But we also need to, to help, under the leadership of the Spirit, help those who maybe are not somebody that we know well. Somebody who is not a close friend or somebody who is different than we are. And as we show mercy in this way, we'll show the love of Christ. Um, he starts off in this chapter. He says, uh, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. The original, the original language says, um, in our Lord Jesus Christ of the glory. Is the way it's in the original. And it's translated in several different ways. There are several possibilities for it. But one of the possibilities, and I think it fits with this context, is that Jesus is the Lord who is literally the very manifestation of the glory of God. What did Jesus do? He left the throne of glory to become a man. Wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. To a humble young carpenter. 
raised as a carpenter, uh, taught the trade of his father. And uh, one scripture says the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He became one of us. It's one scripture says for our sakes, he became poor so that we might become rich. I want to tell you something. If that's the Lord Jesus' heart toward us, that's the heart we need to have toward others. If the Lord of glory, if the one who shines with the glory of God at the right hand of the Father can humble himself to love people who are desperately in need, so can we be his followers. Win the battle of partiality. How do you do it? Be caring. Be loving. Be merciful. Be understanding. And be holy. And as you are these things, you will overcome the evil tendency of your old nature with good. And you do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to invite you, as a child of God, maybe you recognize, hey, I've, I've not been showing love to people who are different than I am. And I need to do that. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, uh, forgive me for my sin of partiality. And, and fill me with your spirit and give me the ability through your power to love people the way Jesus loves them. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ and maybe you thought, well, I, I don't have my act together. The Bible doesn't say Jesus Christ came to die for those who have their act together. It says he came to die for all. And so if, if, uh, if that has been keeping you from Christ, know that um, the Bible says whosoever will may come. You can, you can have a relationship with Christ. Christ died for your sin according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scripture. And the Bible says if you'll confess him as your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so uh, the blood of Christ has paid the price. And so if you would uh, like to, to come and give your heart to Christ, it would be my great joy to lead you in a prayer of commitment. And know this, Jesus will accept you. Amen? Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, for this word from the scripture that uh, declares your heart and declares what matters to you. Uh, God, I pray.